0: This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing
1: both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us
0: reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting,
1: speaker, and mother of three.
0: Welcome to Mainspring Family Wellness. We're really happy to have Jeannie Pepper Bernstein here with us today. She is an activist for the LGBTQ community, the kindness movement, She's a philanthropist, a speaker, and a writer focusing on diversity awareness, mental health, and education. So happy to have you. For Thanks so much for being here, Jeannie.
2: Yes, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> thank you for having me.
0: So, Jeannie, you and your family have, um, have been through so much with the tragic loss of your son a couple years ago. Um, could you please share your story with our listeners?
2: Uh, my son was an Ivy League student, 19 years old, uh, in his second year at the University of Pennsylvania when he came home for the holidays at the end of 2017 in December. I did not know that he was talking to somebody um, through social media that he knew from high school. Mm -hmm. And he went out without our knowledge on January 2nd and did not come home. And that was not discovered until the next day. Long story short, my son's body was found 10 days later in a shallow grave near our home. And there is a neo-Nazi sitting in county jail right now waiting for his trial. And he is um yeah. He's also my son's age. Or yeah.
1: Well we're we're just so sorry for your loss. Thank you. You know, um we just can't really imagine what it's like to lose a child, especially under such tragic circumstances and shocking circumstances.
2: Jeannie, how do you
1: find the strength to cope?
2: Well, this is a really common question that I get asked by people. How do you go on? How do you keep going? How were you able to not be emotional and just get things done when everything was falling apart at the beginning? Because we didn't know where my son was. It took us days to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of liken it to being a survivor, Mm -hmm. and you're in a really difficult situation where Let's say you're running from something that's trying to hurt you and your family. And if somebody goes down, what do you do? Do you stop and go down with them or do you keep going? <sighs> and we kept going. We had to. And I still feel that way, that I just have to keep going. It's it's. We can't stay in the past because we can't fix it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't bring back to life my son, so there's no point staying there with him in the past. Um, so we just go forward.
0: And you have two other children as well.
2: I have two other kids. Um, my oldest is in college now, mm-hmm. and then my daughter's in high school. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And how are how have they done with this
2: loss? You know, remarkably well. Um, it's hard for kids because... Mm-hmm they don't really want to talk to their parents about things that make their parents cry.
0: Yeah.
2: And as much as it would probably feel good for them to talk about what they're going through, it's too hard for them to bring up things that they know make us unhappy. Mm-hmm. So they won't. And it would make me feel good to talk about it with them and to cry with them. I mean, I want that experience with them. It would feel good to just get it all out together. But it's not going to happen because it's just too emotionally difficult for them, and I respect that. So I try not to put myself in situations with them where they need to be a parent to me. hmm
1: mm. Wow. So then, Jeannie, do you think part of, you know, your moving forward though is also giving yourself permission to have those moments where you can cry and let and let down, and or does it feel more like you no, know, you just have to keep moving
2: forward? You know, crying isn't like one of those things where you say, you know, today I feel sad. I think I'm going to cry. Mm. I mean, I've gone to the cemetery um, not very often. I've only been there a few times. But um, I don't necessarily feel like crying when I'm there. Mm -hmm. I I can't really explain it. Um, I think that when you are strong for a really long time, it's hard to not be strong. Mm. It's hard to just accept Mm -hmm. the reality and what it really means to you because you've had to not think about that for so long in order to get things done, in order to get up every morning, in order to be a human being. Right. So, um, yeah, in terms of being able to let loose or go forward, are, the, are they incompatible? I think that you can. it's very compatible with going forward, being able to cry. I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, someone once told me that grief is like a cup of tea hmm. and you have to drink it all. Yeah. Well said.
0: So Blaze sounds like he was just a dynamic, smart, wonderful person. And um, can you tell us a little bit
2: more about who he was and what he stood for? Well, Blaze was a unique um, individual. I will say that about him. He was brilliant, really brilliant and very curious mind, curious about how everything worked, always Busy, busy with his hands. He loved cooking. He loved science. He loved um, creativity, creation. He was a writer. Mm. He was an incredible chef, and he actually kind of combined those two things when he was at school. Um, he was a scientist uh, at the University of Pennsylvania. He was basically a pre-med major. Wow. And he was brilliant at chemistry, so brilliant that when I asked him if he was worried about organic chemistry, he said, why would I be worried about that? That's so easy. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And he said, Mom, it's just being able to identify long strings of complex molecules and name them. But for him, decoding was easy. Mm. So some people just have that ability to, to be able to see patterns and take them apart. And he was exceptionally good at that. Strangely, he wasn't good at seeing things that were right in front of his face sometimes, but mm-hmm. the little detail things he was just really good at that. He became or was asked to be the editor of the University of Pennsylvania has a cooking magazine called Pen Appetite, which is a full color, beautiful magazine that Wharton Business School mm-hmm. uh, finances with them, and he was the editor of that. Going wow. right, he had just started working on that when when he died. Um, and, yeah, so that was like he wrote about molecular cooking, which was about the chemistry of cooking. That was one of the articles he wrote for that magazine. So, yeah, he was always combining his love of science, writing, and uh, creativity, cooking, to always together. That's great. So, I know he
0: you guys opened
2: a, a cooking program, right?
0: Yes, With and he did. his name.
2: Yes, yeah, at the uh, Jewish Community Center uh-huh. of Orange County. We saw that they were building a kitchen, and we said we want to be part of this. This was our son's love. He loved being here in this place too. So yeah, we um, we helped endow that program so that it has his name on it for. Yeah, fantastic. So it makes us feel good when we see that. That's
0: great. And you can go and cook with your parents. Absolutely. The kids can
2: pick. Anybody cook with. can. It's open to the community. That's mm-hmm. great.
0: So tell us a little bit more about um, Blaze It Forward. What does that mean to you? Well,
2: it started in the beginning. We had a Facebook public group that was Help Us Find Blaze. And Mm -hmm. we used it because we were receiving anonymous tips every day, hundreds every day, Mm -hmm. um, various things. And so we – and we were posting or circulating uh, flyers all over the United States. Because he was home from the University of Pennsylvania, there was some thought that perhaps he had left without telling us, which Mm -hmm. I always knew was kind of ridiculous to think, but – it was still something that I had to consider because I couldn't explain where he had gone. So we were circulating these flyers all over the Internet, all over the country, in, in the Philadelphia area. And um, after we found out that Blaze was in fact dead, um, we changed it to Blaze It Forward. In fact, we made that decision almost immediately that we were going to use the platform that we had to encourage people to do things that were that were really kind intentional acts, and they could use that group to tell us what they had done because it made us feel really good, especially at that time. We we needed to hear that. What Uh, are some of the stories that have come out of Blaze It Forward? uh, So many things. I mean, some of them, like, stay with me, and, like, I probably tell everybody the same story over and over again, but I remember... um, A lot of situations where people have purchased meals for people that they don't know in restaurants. And it's so surprising sometimes when people do that, who they do it for. I mean, it's always like just such a kind of a random, intentional act. But this one woman um, bought a meal for a doctor in a hospital. uh, And it happened to be a friend of ours. And and it happened within days of everything happening to us. Mm -hmm. And he came to my house and he said, you know, this woman bought me a meal today at the hospital. And told me that it was for that she was blazing it forward. Her husband had been treated there in the emergency room at, the, at a local hospital that day, and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" I mean, what are the chances that somebody that I know would actually be a recipient of something mm. like that? A year later, the same woman reported on Blaze It Forward that her husband and her had just come home from the emergency room. He had had to go in there again because he had a heart condition, and they were eating that night, and somebody bought their meal for them that night. Oh, so wow. that they were blazing it forward. Wow. But what's oh. really, really just gives me the chills when I think about it is she reported that her husband passed away that night <sighs> after this meal that they had. No kidding. Is that weird? Mm. That is weird. <sighs> I know. Yeah, I just, I mean, that just really like, I, I don't know what to think about that. But I think mm. sometimes some so of these coincidences are messages from the universe. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, Divine intervention. I mean, maybe sort. that's the only way that we can those are real miracles sometimes Hmm. you have to recognize them you need more positive stories like that i know so that's why i like the idea of the blaze it forward and a community of people that are doing things and it doesn't even have to be called blaze it Forward, it could be anything but the idea is just do something outside of the box yeah that makes somebody realize that you that they are recognized that they are here and that the universe loves them
0: Hmm. yeah oh that's, that's yeah Now,
2: I know you're an activist for LGBTQ, as well as kindness. Can you speak a little more into that? Well, my son um, came out as gay to us, not really by choice. I mean, we kind of had to out him as parents. But that happened right before he went to college, and um, we were totally on board with it. We were never judgmental of it and accepted him completely. And this is Blaze. This is talking. my son, Blaze. Yeah. He, however, did not accept it himself. Mm. He struggled with it. He struggled and he wrote a really interesting essay about it, which has not been published yet, but it will be published. And I believe it's going to be the subject of a documentary in the next couple of years. Wow. Mm. So, but that letter was, the, or this essay was called Coming of Gage, like G A Y instead of G A. Instead of A. G. E. it was kind of like a play on words. Not age, but gauge. And the idea was that he talked about his struggle with being able to accept that he was gay and that there was really a lot of part of it was his struggle with his parents, with us and a lot of it was miscommunication, and there was a lot we could have learned from him when he, if he had been willing to talk about it with us. We could have cleared up a lot of misunderstanding mm-hmm. that would have probably made him feel a lot better about who he was and what he was doing. But he wasn't ready when he was young to mm-hmm. to really accept himself and, and accept that uh, this was just a little piece of who he was, that it wasn't his entire being. It wasn't his entire life. He was a hundred thousand things. And being gay was one of them. And and we accepted that, of course. But um Jeannie, what do you yeah. think
1: some of those misunderstandings were that could have been helpful for Blaze?
2: Well when he first when we first figured it out, or or I should say when we first knew he was gay, it happened when he was just about to start high school. And my husband was looking at his phone and looking at text messages. And my son would, would go into the shower. My husband would run in his room and read his text messages because that was how he, you know, kind of kept his eye on Blaze, who was not very um, communicative with us. So, mm-hmm. and while he was doing that, he discovered that my son was um, was communicating with another boy who he had a crush on. So we knew about it, and I think when I f- we first confirmed it, Blaze knew that we knew. I don't know how he figured it out. He was pretty sharp. But he wrote in this essay that he remembers the night that his mother found out he was gay when he was, you know, beginning high school and how she cried herself to sleep. And that's not entirely true. Hmm. He perceived it that way. Um, The truth of the matter is that when you find out or when you confirm at least that your child is gay, the first thing that runs through your mind is my life, and everything that I expected it to be is now going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Right. So this isn't really that you're crying because of, you know, a fact that maybe you are not comfortable with. You're kind of crying because you realize that you're not going to have your son with a woman walking down the aisle at a wedding. And now you're going to have to worry that your kid who's been bullied on the bus and being screamed at that he was gay for the last two years when he was in middle school mm. is now officially gay. So now when they bully him, or it may really happen now because he's actually admitted it now or you know now. So those were the thoughts that ran through my head that now I have a kid who is, has one more thing that could potentially lead to him experiencing difficulties in his life. And I, who wants that for their kid? I mean, nobody, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, this is why I don't believe anyone chooses to be gay. It's absolutely absurd because right. it's not easy. Right. And we all know that it's not easy because people are so cruel. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that it is. And I And I hope we can change that. I hope mm-hmm. we can make a big dent in that. But, you know, in the meantime, I think that anybody that doesn't get a little bit concerned when they find out they're... They're not, uh, they're not present <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's what I was experiencing. But as a 14-year-old and even as a 19-year-old when Blaze was discussing this in this essay, he was not able to understand because he did not have my years of experience and perspective as a parent. So as a 19-year-old, that is how he perceived it. So these are things that as parents we have to be aware of that everything we do matters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm everything. Even if you lift your eyebrows up when you are listening to them talk about something like this, they perceive that as my mom and dad don't, uh, they don't accept this. They're not happy with me. So it's all of those little things and they're so hard to control, but those are the things that they remember forever.
1: But I think that's why it's so important to communicate and talk about it and have open dialogue because it's easy to misconstrue. Yep. The eyebrow raise. Or if you are even having, you know, a certain like judgment mm-hmm. or a worry, which Jeannie, that's what I'm hearing for you, is that those thoughts that you had for Blaze about choosing to be gay or, or being gay, recognizing he was gay, there's worries that came with that for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that you weren't accepting
2: of it, but just like, oh, this is this could be a difficult path. Right. This is the first concern, yeah. I believe, of most parents, unless yeah. there's some other reason, religious reasons. And I've talked to parents who have religious beliefs that conflict with my belief that um, the LGBTQ community needs to be accepted and loved. But there mm-hmm. are religious people that believe that it is not acceptable. So this is, uh, this is a difficult thing. What yes. advice would you have for, for parents that have k- kids that are gay? Well, if I think that there's the potential that any of our children are gay. Even the two kids that I have at home now, there's a potential for it. Just Mm -hmm. because they haven't told me they are, who knows? So knowing that, there's always that potential. When you bring a baby home from the hospital, be prepared that you will never speak of people and their diverse qualities in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Whatever those qualities may be, if they are God-given qualities, you should not be speaking negatively of them because your kids hear it and it becomes part of them Mm -hmm. and soon they'll be hating themselves Mm -hmm. so just be aware of that that whatever you whatever your biases are and we are all biased that's been researched we are born this way right but if, you know, whatever they are, be prepared that those biases may come back to haunt you someday. And I'm sure I'm as guilty as anybody because I was not accepting of LGBTQ communities when I was young. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. I was not raised with it. It. I mean, all of my early experiences with people that were in that community were, um, were not necessarily positive. It was mm-hmm. never – I think um, – that there just wasn't the awareness that we have now mm-hmm. of what it is and who these people are and what they stand for, and and now that I know, I I am I wish I had known sooner, and mm-hmm. I wish that I could have been more positive about it in our home when my children were young. And it
0: seems that. Um, this generation of kids are a lot more accepting and open to the LGBTQ community, but I know there's still a lot of hate out there. I mean, how do we combat that? Well,
2: hate is just such a destructive thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even like the word. I mean, what do we need to hate anything? Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, do we need to even hate vegetables? Like, <laughs> you know, you just cannot <laughs> like them. But right? like, it's just such an ugly word. So I think that when my kids were growing up, at least like I really didn't use that word a lot, because mm-hmm. it's just such an extreme word. And I feel that When we hate things, we are putting a lot of negative energy into something that we don't like. So why invest any energy in it at all? If it's something that doesn't appeal to you, then just move away from it. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to. I mean, I guess it's like that idea of tolerance or acceptance. You can tolerate things. That means I don't necessarily like them, but I'm going to just pretend like I do. So whatever it is, so that that broccoli can just be there and be happy. Or accept the fact that that is what it is for someone else. It it doesn't mean that you have to have that for yourself. But the word tolerance is not such a great word because it means I might not necessarily like it, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to pretend that I do maybe. So I think acceptance is a much better word Mm -hmm. that we have to learn to accept Mm -hmm. things and accept people for the way that they are. And I think that... That that's what we should be teaching kids about, hate, that you don't need to hate anything. You cannot like things. You can learn to accept things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think acceptance is key, that we have to learn to accept that things are diverse, that people are diverse, and that diversity is what makes the world interesting and fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, that's absolutely.
1: Do you think that's what you've most learned then from raising a child that was gay?
2: Well, raising a child that was gay taught me a lot of things, but the number one thing that it will teach you is about love, Hmm. because loving things that are different from you is not easy. Hmm. And as a parent, we're asked to love things that we may not understand, that may not be like us, things that we might want to change, and sometimes they should be changed, I mean, terrible behavior should be changed. But, you know, having this child that was gay taught me that um, that we need to be able to move forward when we reach a point with our child where we realize that there's something about them that's really unique that we don't understand, that we need to learn about it and learn how we can help them as much as we can to be the best people that they can be, regardless. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, you know, you might, you might have... I have a child with ADD, and you know that is something that we've all had to, struggled with, and we learn to make the best life that we can for mm-hmm. the, for kids, um, whatever their issues are. Not that being gay is like being ADD. I'd rather be gay, no question. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean we all have our idiosyncrasies. So as a parent, I've learned that. You know, it's just another idiosyncrasy that we've just had to incorporate into our lives. Wow. That's, that's
0: truly amazing after, you know, everything you guys have been through that you have um, been so outspoken and active and involved in the community and just getting your message out. It's it's really beautiful. So. In fact, what message do you
1: want to spread in Blaze's honor And what would he want you to communicate to others about his values and beliefs?
2: Well, you know, my husband and I talk about this occasionally. What would Blaze think about what we're doing now? And Blaze was kind of an under-the-radar philanthropist. He Mm. loved doing nice things for people, but he did not want anyone to know that he did it, which in Judaism is a highly respected thing called tzedakah, and Mm -hmm. it's um, anonymous philanthropy is really the goal. You don't really need to be blasting that you did something great. You know, that was him. He was really under the radar and did a lot of really magnificent things that he would never probably take credit for that nobody knew about. So the fact that we're so outspoken and out there, I don't think that he would probably like the fact that necessarily that we have attached his name to so many things. However, I think that the net goal being that we've accomplished so many great things and impacted so many lives in a positive way, I think that... um, that he would he would be happy about that. And I think that if that is his legacy, that his name should always be associated with with goodness, that I think that um, that, that would be okay by him. I would think too with Blaze at Ford, there is that
1: essence of being anonymous in your in your kindness towards another person mm-hmm. too.
2: Yes. You don't have to tell anyone who you are. Exactly. tell them why you're doing it so they'll do it for someone else, really. And we've actually um, had cards printed up that kind of explain what Blaze It Forward is for people to use and that we use. So when we do something nice, we'll hand it to someone and say, I just blazed it forward. So I'd like you to do something, too. And, like, sometimes when we, like, give money to homeless people, like, we actually will – my husband and I like to actually hands-on give to people Mm -hmm. and see their reaction – it just makes us feel good. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but like we have given money to homeless people and asked them if they would take some of it and give it to someone also and do something mm. nice for someone else. I think that's a big part of feeling like a human being and having human dignity is being able to do something nice for someone else. Yeah. And w- even when you have very little to give, if you can just give something anyway, it makes you feel like you have human dignity. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's important. Um, And I think that that's really been overlooked. I think philanthropy is not about money. Philanthropy is about loving other people. That's what the word means. If you look at the root words of philanthropy, it is the love of people. So I think even teaching our children that that as they grow, that, you know, they may not have a lot of money to do things with, but they have two hands and they have a heart and Mm -hmm. they have a voice and they can use those things to do philanthropy.
1: Wow, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's part of Maine Spring Family Wellness Center that we're going to be opening mm-hmm. up in January oh, where we're going to be offering mini retreats to actually bring philanthropic projects to um, mm-hmm. homes as well as other educational Classes or courses that people could put together and have an experience for their families and their friends Mm -hmm. of giving back to the local community. Oh, that's really important. So important. And it's
2: kind of missing in our culture. I think that we don't have civil service. It's mandatory in this country. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a big, big mistake. I think that um, high school students should be required to do a year or two even of some form of civil service, I think it should be outside of their community. I think they should have to travel and see what it's like in mm. other parts of the country and so that they can learn about other cultures and other ways. Um, I think that we're really missing the boat, and I, I hope that among all of the other things I want to do before the end, I'd love to see us planting the seeds for that in this country. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Philanthropy service is a
1: cornerstone for building empathy. Absolutely. If we're having so much difficulty with the ascension of narcissists throughout, you know, this country and the world, we have to build empathy skills. Mm-hmm. And you can only do that through giving back to others, making a difference yeah. in other people's lives, understanding what it
2: some, what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. Absolutely. I was just at a conference on that very subject for countywide. And the name of the conference is Walk in My Shoes. It's uh, it's put on by the OC Humans Relations Council. And they asked us to speak at that as their keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. But that really is a big, big thing that um, I'm interested in is when we're talking to high school students, it really needs to start earlier. Middle school is really where you've got to probably get to these kids. But we are missing that. And we're starting Blaze It Forward Clubs throughout Orange County. Wow. Um, this is a student initiative. Um, and we will be giving out T-shirts to um, high school kids that are doing this until we run out. We have a, a donated supply of them, and we'd like to give them to every high school that has a club. So if they make That's contact great. with me through our website, blazebernstein.org, I will get those T-shirts to you if I find out that you actually have a club of this kind at your school. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Love that. yeah, So But the idea really is to celebrate diversity celebrate community service, the benefits of it, and to learn that, um, you know, actually talking to people and hearing their stories is Mm -hmm. really important to the human experience. And we're missing that because kids are on their phones way too much. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is true. Well,
0: I think, too, as parents modeling that behavior for our kids, I think that that's so important, even at such a young age before they can actually do anything hands-on, just seeing your parents' Live live like that. That's huge. Yeah,
2: and there's the, there will have to be things that we do as a society to adapt to the overuse of of technology. Yes, it's, it's impacting our communications, our relationships. Yes, uh, it's taking time, valuable time away from families. And they Absolutely. Could, I know, and it's you know we don't really know how it's going to affect this next generation, other than they they don't have the people skills that I think that they see in their parents' generation. Yep. And,
0: uh, well, they're disconnected from one another, which mm-hmm. is a little scary for the human race, the future of right. the human race. Right. Yeah. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much for
1: being on the show today and for offering all your wisdom. Yes. And once again, we're so sorry for your family's loss. Um, but at the same time, I'm sitting here in such um, appreciation for what you're doing for our local community as well as, globally around blaze up forward and bringing awareness to uh lgbtq and kindness so thank
0: you oh thank you truly an inspiration thank you Jeannie. thank you
1: and we want to thank dan ballard at gold pacific studios for hosting us again uh this has been mainspring family wellness thanks for listening